Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Democracy. Is there any other possibility for a word of the day on November 3rd, 2020? When Coke and I talked about today's show and thought about what the word of the day should be, so many different ways to go. They have to be about the election. We could have had election. We could have said presidential, but today's about much more than a presidential election. Democracy doesn't mean a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or a libertarian or an anarchist. Democracy is the type of government we have here in the United States. Democracy is the type of government that hundreds of years ago, people died for. A hundred years ago, 50 years ago, five years ago yesterday. Democracy is the type of government by the people for the people. Democracy is a world where we have an opportunity in here in the United States to inform others and help others understand the way life could be and the way life should be. The reason why America spends so many wars and so much money trying to bolster up democracies around the world, trying to get rid of dictators, is that there is no better way, period. There's never been a better way for a society to function than a true democracy. That doesn't mean that it's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's clean. It doesn't mean that it always will have the result that you want, either with who's elected or what those who are elected do. It doesn't mean that your life is perfect. It doesn't mean that you're rich. It doesn't mean that you're poor. It doesn't mean that you have a chance to be poor or rich. What it means is that you have a chance to change the people who represent you through free elections. It means you have a chance that if someone is elected and you do not approve or agree with what they've done with their office, that you've got the power to change it. There has been so much anxiety We've talked a lot on Nothing Personal about anxiety, my anxiety. We've talked about mental health issues and how we're trying to take the stigma out of mental health issues. I've been listening a lot and reading a lot and watching a lot over these past 
few months and certainly over these past few weeks. And what is common across all parties is the feeling of anxiety that we have going into today's election day. I went to bed last night and it felt like it was the first day of school today. That was that feeling I had in my stomach. The butterflies I would get before every first day of school I ever had, before your first day at a new job, before something big is happening. There's a feeling that today is history. There's a feeling that people have that today we will define what country we live in and what country we want to live in. There is such a divide that it would be easy for you to think that this year's election is different than any election in the history of our country, that this year's election is the most important election of any in our history. So isn't it interesting to look at how people are reacting, how people are dealing with that anxiety? Why President Trump has built walls around the White House? Why storefronts are boarded up across this country? Why Rodeo Drive is closed for two days, not COVID-related? Why apartment buildings in New York and other places are wondering, should they be hiring armed guards? Why conservative people think that, should Donald Trump be reelected, there is concern for mass rioting and looting and mayhem? Why Democrats believe that if President Trump is reelected to a second term, that there will be mass rioting and looting and mayhem. It's the most troubling part of today for me and causing the most anxiety, wondering why we think it's okay to react to an election with violence, with looting. And I don't say protest because marches peaceful, protests, that is part of what a democracy is. But it doesn't involve guns. It doesn't involve the Second Amendment. It doesn't involve destruction of personal property or fear for your life. Because once that starts, then you can't even see democracy in the rearview mirror. So today is far more important to me, not who wins. It's what we do as citizens once the election is over. And I don't say that lightly because the election being over is also something that is causing great anxiety. Will it be over tonight? I don't think so. Too many votes are being cast. I need to do a side thing here, Coca. Sorry. Uh, people are turning out in mass numbers to vote, mail-in voting, absentee ballots, Voting today, there will be lines. People will be upset to wait on lines. The most troubling part of previous elections for me has not been who's won or who's lost. It's been the apathy. I learned from running the Marlins 
I didn't mind any of the negative things written about the Marlins or me. I didn't mind any of the positive things written about the Marlins or me. You know that I chose not to believe the positive because I was unwilling to believe the negative. And that's the only way to function, in my opinion. What I fought against every day was apathy. What I fought against every day was entitlement. People believing that it was their right to have a winning team, that it was our obligation to provide a winning team. God knows we tried. Apathy is what kills businesses. Apathy is what kills relationships. Apathy is the single greatest emotion responsible for the most destruction. So you're saying, how can that be? Because if Trump loses and there's riots, that's not apathy. If Biden loses and there's riots, that's not apathy. Apathy comes in the form of lack of engagement, lack of care. What you do with that care is also important. That's where you get into the peaceful side of protesting or marching. But apathy is something that has to be dealt with first and foremost. Do you know what the rate is of eligible voters who vote, go back, take time, get on the Google, go back to the 1800s, then the 1900s, then the 2000s. Take a look at the stats at the number of eligible voters who choose not to vote. Here's my favorite one. I'm not voting because it doesn't matter. I had a very interesting conversation with someone yesterday, lives in a red state, is a blue person and said, I don't need to vote because what does my vote matter anyway? You remember the wine story I told you? I hope you do, Coca. Do you remember the story about the society that had a big party and everyone was asked to bring a glass of wine? And there were a bunch of people who said, I got a great idea. Instead of bringing a glass of wine, I'm going to bring a glass of water, pour that glass of water into the vat that we're all going to share from to show that we are one, that we are together as a society. I'll put in a glass of water and I'll get out a glass of wine. How brilliant to turn water into wine. Well, they went to the front of the line, they poured their glass of water in, and then they took out a glass and it was water. Everyone thought that they'd get a free ride. Everyone thought they would be able to turn their water into wine. And all they did was turn their water into water. It's the same thing. When you are in a red state and you don't vote because you're blue, that is an insult to the people who put together our country, who founded our country, who realized that democracy and elections was the proper and correct way to govern society. Take the time. This is the first show I've done. I'm not wearing a blazer. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm not, I do every show in a blazer and a shirt. I'm wearing a t-shirt that says vote now. It doesn't say vote Biden. It doesn't say vote Trump. It doesn't talk about anything other than vote. Can you imagine that 46.9% of eligible voters did not vote in the 2016 election. Just take a second. If you're not going to Google the stats, 
for every election prior. Just go to 2016, where I would argue that since 2016 in my lifetime, it has been the most tumultuous four years in terms of politics and presidential politics. There has been such divisiveness in our country, and I don't blame conservatives. I don't blame liberals. I blame me and I blame all of us. We all participated in the divisiveness. We all talked more than we listened. The irony of nothing personal, where we do 45 minutes a day for you every day, no callers, no guests. We interact with you, and I love interacting with you on Twitter and Instagram and and doing the bonus mailbag pods and everything else we do. But you think that I just do talking, but you don't know the other 22 hours of the day. That's included in an hour and 15 minutes of sleep. I spend most of that time not just resting my voice, but thinking and listening and reading and watching. Why is it now that you can't have intellectual discourse about issues? Why is it that with this election that we have decided that our position is the only position? And if that position is not what is reflected in our government, then it's not worth it to even be in this country. I'm going to flee to Canada, flee to Europe. Why is it that no one is willing to understand the possibility that you don't always get what you want? It wasn't Mick Jagger who invented that. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you get what you need. And what we need right now is for people to be engaged, for people to take the time not just to vote. That's why I'm wearing a vote t-shirt today to thank you for voting, not being critical of who you vote for ever, because I will never be that. But take the time to be engaged in the country we live in. We are merely guests here for a tiny period of time. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday about a 104-year-old voter in New York, 104 years old. Her first election, she voted for FDR, That's the name of the highway that I take to get to the airport in New York City. Her greatest honor is voting in presidential elections. She wanted to stay alive to vote in this presidential election, not because I don't even know who she voted for. Didn't matter. Didn't ask. Didn't say in the video. You, you, me, and we have an opportunity to show younger generations and future generations how to be right. Not how to be right with who's elected today, how to be right in what happens after the election. Do you think that it sets a good example that we're worried about our safety or that we're boarding up or building walls or using violence? or taking a position that's so strong that we're unwilling to acknowledge the right of other people to have a position that is against ours. It is incredibly egomaniacal of anyone to think that their right and your opinion and your belief is wrong. And that's where we are today. 
every side is so stuck. Did you watch the presidential debates or the rallies that are going on, the Biden rallies, the Trump rallies? The expression preaching to the choir was invented for these rallies. You heard me on nothing personal get emotional and upset about the debates because the debates were meant to speak to the undecided voters, people who took it seriously, people who wanted to understand which side to be on, what was going to be better for them, what was going to be better for their family, what was going to be better for their community, for their city, for their state, and for their country. Your choice of your order. You want to be a one-issue voter? Fine. You want to be a voter who cares about your country first and you last, fine. I'm not judging either way, but everybody else is. You want to vote Republican because of taxes? Vote Republican. You want to vote Republican because of Israel? Vote Republican. You want to vote Democratic because that is your view of how government should operate? Inclusiveness? Then vote Democratic. But what are you going to do tomorrow? What is tomorrow's show going to be like? Coca said to me before the show, what are we going to do tomorrow? How's it going to be tomorrow? Will there be internet? Will there be Wi-Fi? Will it be safe? He's asking that question because everybody's asking that question right now. That's the anxiety that we feel. I don't feel the anxiety of four more years of Trump or four years of Biden. I feel the anxiety of how people are going to react. There have been 400 lawsuits so far about ballots and how ballots are counted, which ballots are valid. We reviewed 537 votes yesterday because 20 years ago we had similar issues. But the stakes are even higher now. People are proud that there are armies of lawyers ready to declare the election invalid or to declare victory before there's victory. 2000 was about a recount. 2020 may be about a count. Are you going to watch coverage all day and all night? Are you going to talk to your kids or your coworkers or your family? about this election and about its significance. Are you going to watch counter-programming? I had a conversation with people at CBS Sports HQ because I said, explain to me why we are going to have a show on the NFL trade deadline on election day. Who's going to watch that? And I was told it's called counter-programming. It's for people who don't want to watch the election, who aren't interested in the election. And I said, wait, those are two different things. Can't you not watch the election results, but be very interested in the election result? How do we do a show on Nothing Personal or on CBS Sports HQ and not talk about the election? We can't put our head in the sand anymore. My hope is the following. My hope is that this day goes nonviolently. My hope is that tomorrow we wake up 
or we stay awake. And that one of Trump or Biden chooses country over self and chooses calm over anger, chooses being conciliatory versus litigious, chooses to move forward versus looking back. There will never be a more important speech that the losing candidate will give than the speech that is necessary to be given. Because the loser of the election tonight has a chance to be a winner. Or the loser of the election tonight has a chance to go down in history as one of the causes that led to irreparable damage in our country. Am I being an alarmist? I don't know. I hope I am. I just want you to think about what we do here at Nothing Personal because we are a sports show. We are a business show. We are a political show. We are an entertainment show. We are here to provide you with 45 minutes of content every single day that gets you educated, that gets you to think, that gets you to believe that we can all be better tomorrow than we were today. One of the expressions I love to use is that tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring? Has there ever been a more important day to remember that great line? I promise you that tomorrow the sun will rise. And who knows what the tide could bring? But please be prepared to embrace that tide, to embrace all the possibilities that tomorrow and every day thereafter can bring. Because without you being apathetic, we all have a chance to be in the country and live in the country that we want and that will last long after we're gone. When we come back, we have some MLB news to discuss and I'm going to review the movie that I watched in the middle of the night last night. It's called Dave. We'll be right back. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. It is November 3rd, 2020. It is Election Day. 
I was deciding what to watch because you know I watch a movie every day or a TV show. And I was thinking about what could I watch that would be appropriate to review on this election day show. And I decided that there were so many great political movies out there, but there was one that came to mind that was both telling, serious, interesting, funny, and memorable. It's a movie called Dave. Dave stars Kevin Kline, Frank Langella, Sigourney Weaver, and Laura Linney, among others. Charles Grodin is in it. Dave is a movie from, God, it's got to be, is it 30 years old, Coca? I don't know what year. I'm going to say it's in the 90s, 95, 96, 93. Wow, that's unbelievable, Coca. I think 93, that was a, uh, that's the year I graduated law school. That's the year that I thought everything was possible. So here's the story of Dave and why it's important and why I thought to watch it last night while only the crickets were cricketing. <clears throat> the president of the United States, played by Kevin Klein, has a stroke while having an affair with Laura Linney. The first lady is played by Sigourney Weaver. They have no relationship. They sleep in separate bedrooms. They don't talk. Kevin Klein, as the president, has two people who run the country with him. One is played by Frank Langella, who has aspirations to be president himself. Kevin Klein has a stroke as president, except they don't tell anybody. Instead, they find the president's doppelganger, who is played by Kevin Klein who for a living gets people jobs. He is a temp job placement officer. And on the side, he makes money by impersonating the president. They bring him in and they ask him to impersonate the president while they run the country, Frank Langella. He has to see the president's wife pretending that he's her husband, but she knows immediately that it's not her husband because his, his disposition is different. And there may be another reason too. The movie goes on to explain how Dave, played by Kevin Klein, grows into his job as president, ends up becoming an actual president. And it talks about in a society in a White House, how the inner workings work, where things go on that we don't know about. And it made me think that ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance causes fear. When we watch movies, when we read about things that are going on in the White House, when we read about activities and we read about it, whether it's through Fox or through CNN or through the New York Times or the New York Post, and I'm choosing vehicles that you both, that we all would agree, some are conservative, some are liberal, and we're reading and we're trying to understand what's real and what's not. And that is scary. And this movie scared me, it entertained me, it made me think, and I didn't fall asleep for one second even though it was the witching hours. It's a movie called Dave. I strongly suggest you watch it. If you've never seen it, you will like it.
So yesterday, you know, life is going on, right? Even though it's election day and everyone is distracted, you got to go to work unless you have the day off. You know, Coco, we had to wait to see that all the baseball and basketball teams would give everyone a day off on election day. I haven't heard anything about that wait to see. You know how wait to see is when we say something and when it doesn't happen, we want to revisit it. This was a wait to see a long time ago. Maybe it's been a month or more when we said November 3rd would be an off day for all teams, not just some teams. And I actually have not read. I will get back to you on that. But business is happening. MLB last night did a multiple hour long show revealing finalists for the MLB postseason awards. I get what MLB is doing. They're trying to drive eyeballs to MLB Network. They're trying to drive interest in a way that other leagues have it, like with the draft, but there's no way the MLB draft will ever be what the NFL draft is or the NBA draft. Just by definition, it can't be because no one's heard of the MLB players being drafted. But now they do an entire show. They don't just announce the winner of the Rookie of the Year, the Manager of the Year, the Cy Young Award winner, the MVP. They now break it down into finalists. These are the final three. And then they do the announcement coming up later on this month. It actually starts in a week. So I wanted to go through every name, and I wanted to give them their proper due. And then I want to tell you who's going to win, because I'm going to make predictions. I'm going to give you eight predictions, and I will revisit it because it's eight wait-to-sees. And I will let you know whether we got it right or wrong. We're going to start with Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year in baseball is a funny one. We talked so much about Randy Arozarena. Remember, if you, by the way, it seems like a year ago. How long ago was the World Series between the Rays and the Dodgers? Literally, to me, feels like a year ago. There was that rookie player, Randy Arozarena, who's going to be a rookie again next year. These finalists are based on regular season performance. Randy Arozarena only joined the Rays August 30th. No, no mention because it's not eligible to talk about what he did during the postseason. The rookie of the years in the American League, rookie of the years, the rookies of the year who are nominated, Luis Robert of the White Sox, Christian Javier of the Astros, Kyle Lewis of the Mariners. I would have said Kyle Lewis was going to be the winner up until September. Remember, it's only a two-month season, but the winner's going to be Lewis Robert. Didn't do as well during September, but he tied for the most home runs, most RBI, signed that big $50 million deal. Louis Robert will win Rookie of the Year in the American League. National League, remember that pitcher for the Brewers? If you have not watched Devin Williams pitch, he was better than Josh Hader, and Josh Hader had an incredible season for a Brewer team that just didn't have enough pitching or enough offense to win. Devin Williams will win over Alex Bohm and Jake Crowenworth. Congratulations to Devin Williams and Lewis Robert. What about Managers of the Year? I'm starting in the American League. Montoya, Charlie Montoya of the Toronto Blue Jays nominated. Unbelievable. They made the playoffs. Young team. He did a great job. Rick Renteria of the Chicago White Sox is nominated. No, no. I take it back. Rick Renteria is not the manager of the White Sox. Tony La Russa is. Can you imagine if a manager wins manager of the year and got fired? There is no executive in the world who would ever fire a manager of the year. 
Who would do that? Have to be insane. So he's not going to win because it's impossible. Kevin Cash will be manager of the year. Not because he took Blake Snell out of game six, because over the course of 60 regular season games, he had the best record in the American League, and he did the best job of managing his team. Now, wink, wink. I think he's going to win. I don't think he deserves to win because the front office is so involved in Tampa that as an organization, they should win organization of the year, but he should not necessarily win manager of the year. National League, David Ross of the Cubs, they won their division, first-year manager. Jace Tingler made the playoffs with San Diego, first-year manager. Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly, the guy who Jeffrey Loria said, we are hiring. Make the deal. Brought in Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly is the only person left with the Marlins that Jeter hasn't gotten rid of. Don Mattingly will win manager of the year after taking a pay cut from the Marlins. By the way, mark my words, Mike Hill's going to win executive of the year as well. A fired executive of the year. Unbelievable. Disgraceful. Don Mattingly deserves to win manager of the year. Don't forget how good he was with the Dodgers. The Marlins are lucky to have him. And I hope that he stays and eventually brings a World Series to Miami. Cy Young. First time in history. It's almost impossible to believe. Two of the three finalists were on the Dodgers last year. Two of the three finalists in the American League were on a team that then went on to win the World Series without these two Cy Young Award win finalists. Andrew Friedman, for being the smartest guy in the room, did not sign Ryu to a free agent deal. He went to the Blue Jays. Did not keep Maeda, traded him to the Twins, and got back Gratterall, that bullpen guy who throws 120 miles an hour. But the Cy Young Award winner will go to Cleveland, and it will be Justin Bieber. I can't believe I just did that. Coca, three, two, one. The Cy Young Award winner will be Shane Bieber. It'll be unanimous. National League is a little more complicated. You have Jacob deGrom trying to win his third Cy Young Award in a row. You have Hugh Darvish, who finally pitched up to his contract in Chicago. And you've got Trevor Bauer, who is difficult to deal with, to say the least. And I, it's never personal with me. I'm not a fan of Trevor Bauer. I don't agree with the way he acts on the field. I do not agree with the way he acts off the field, but I do agree that Trevor Bauer was the best pitcher in the National League this year. Trevor Bauer will win the Cy Young. All right, the last two awards are MVP. Let's start in the, what am I waiting for, Coco? What are you whispering to me? You want me to talk about will Bauer now get more money and free agency if he wins Cy Young? Well, why didn't you bring that up pre-show? Okay, ready? I'll answer that for you. Do you want me to answer during the show or do you want me to do it after? Okay, I'll do it right now. When you are signing a free agent and you are looking at the makeup of your team and you are allocating your money and your payroll between pitching, starting, and bullpen, between position players, bench players, you allocate your payroll, you figure out exactly where you want to put your money, you look at 
how much money your current players are making and how much service time they have and what their salaries will be next year. And then you go into the free agent market. When you are identifying free agents, there is not one executive or one GM who pays attention to the Cy Young award-winning results, the MVP results. The Dodgers didn't acquire Mookie Betts because he won the MVP with the Red Sox in 2018. Nobody will sign Bauer because he is the Cy Young Award winner. They will sign Bauer because they believe that he is someone who will come in and help them win more games and get a ring. That's the same with Darvish and the same with DeGrom. It does not matter a lick, Coca, literally. Zero. Do you need more details? It doesn't matter if you're analytics. It doesn't matter if you are all eyes, ears, heart, and gut. I never paid attention to who won the Cy Young. I never paid attention to the voting except for, and you'll love this, Coca. I knew because I kept with me a list of every player on our team and what bonuses they got for making an all-star team, for being elected by the fans into an all-star team, for finishing in the top 10 in MVP or Cy Young or Gold Glove or Silver Slugger, because that was contingent payroll money. When you budget what your payroll is, there is guaranteed payroll money, then there's contingent payroll money, but it adds up. So if we would sign deals where we would pay significant bonuses to people for World Series MVP, players always want huge bonuses for regular MVP, but I would always introduce them to Andre Dawson and say, Andre Dawson won the MVP for a last place team in Chicago. What good does that do us? We don't make more money if we don't make the playoffs. We make more money by hosting playoff games and having a deep run into the playoffs and then selling that into next season to get more season ticket holders, to get more sponsors. So it's critical to us that you win the regular MVP, not. It's critical to us that you win the LCS MVP or the World Series MVP. We started that back with Pudge in 2003. He got a huge bonus for winning the LCS MVP. When we signed Carlos Delgado, Giancarlo Stanton, we will give a million-dollar bonus. No problem. But you want to win the regular season MVP? 50 grand. 100 grand at most. These players say, if I finish in the top 10, we should get a bonus. And my answer always was to the agent, let me get this straight. You're going to get the biggest contract in the history of sports, and you want a bonus for being an all-star and being in the MVP conversation? How can that be? With the amount of money you're making, that should be required. As a matter of fact, I want a provision in the contract that states if you don't get MVP votes, you give salary back. National League, Manny Machado is an MVP finalist. People are saying what a great free agent signing. $30 million a year, you better be a finalist in the MVP for Christ's sake. Mookie Betts. Could he win an MVP in both leagues? Who's won the MVP in both leagues? Coca, check it. I think his first name is Frank and his last name is Robinson. I do not think there has been another player who has won the MVP in both leagues. But the winner of the MVP will come out of Hotlanta. Freddie Freeman has never won an MVP. He deserves to win the MVP. The season he had, it's hard incrementally to believe because of how good 
He has always been. But Freddie Freeman will win his first MVP. And finally, in the American League, Jose Ramirez of the Indians. No. DJ LeMahieu of the Yankees. MVP of the Yankees. That's true. But the MVP of the American League? No. Look no further than the South Side. You may not win manager of the year, but you will win MVP. Jose Abreu, runaway MVP of the American League. So to review, Devin Williams, Luis Robert, rookies of the year. Kevin Cash and Don Mattingly, managers of the year. Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer, Cy Young Award winners. And Freddie Freeman and Jose Abreu, MVPs. Those will be your MLB award winners. Wait to see. Okay, Coca, we got to spend a minute here on Bill Belichick because someone asked and we got to do it. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. Get on Twitter at David P. Samson. Get on Instagram at David P. Samson. Ask me questions. I haven't figured out how to look at the questions on Instagram, but Coca promised he'd teach me after election day. Someone asked me a very simple question, and it got my goat. Is that the expression? Maybe it got my ire. What do you think of Bill Belichick's comments? Well, I'm glad you asked. What were Bill Belichick's comments? Let me tell you. Bill Belichick has a problem. The problem he has is that the Patriots stink. The problem he has is that it turns out Brady may have been more important to the Patriots' success than Belichick. The whole offseason, we spent time saying that Belichick was more important than Brady, that the Patriots will be just as good, if not better, than the Buccaneers. Oh, my God, I'm totally screwed in that regard. The Buccaneers are way better than the Patriots. The Patriots are terrible. Bill Belichick spends his career being totally obtuse, circumventing all media questions, putting his hoodie on and acting like, He doesn't care what you think or say. Not in the way Greg Popovich does with the Spurs, who gives interviews where he doesn't answer any questions at all. Bill Belichick has this view that we are not worthy of anything that we would ask or want to know. That level of cocky condescension can wear thin if your team isn't winning. And the Patriots, we know, have been a winner. But that stopped in 2020. Bill Belichick actually gave an answer on the Patriots' struggles this season, and his answer was laughable. He said, we sold out. We won three Super Bowls, played in a fourth, played in an AFC championship game. This year, we had less to work with. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Hey, Bill, now you choose to talk, and you tell us that's not an excuse, that's a fact, That's an excuse. You only had a million dollars to sign Cam Newton. You've got plenty of cap space. The money that you spent just hasn't been well spent. You signed Stefan Gilmore. You have the highest paid defensive backs. For what? Now you're trying to trade him. Why are you choosing now to start making your comments? Why not before the season started? Why before the season started were you being the same old Bill Belichick thinking that you're the smartest guy ever to have Cam Newton on your team? Thinking that you're going to go ahead and win the AFC least? 
now when you know that you're not going to make the playoffs, even if they expand them, which they're looking at doing, now that you know that Cam Newton is dead cap money for Carolina for a reason, now that you know that the team that you put together that you are in charge of, it's an off year. You didn't do a good job. Just admit it. Don't give me an excuse about caps. Don't tell me how much you've won in the past. Stand up before the season started and say, you know what? You know what? (laughs) You know what's funny, Coca? The Boston Red Sox should have done this too. Maybe it's something about Boston. The city of champions. No, Mookie Betts said LA is now the city of champions. But Boston, the city of champions. The Red Sox could have stood up and said, We traded Mookie Betts because we wanted to get below the luxury tax threshold. J.D. Martinez was opting into his contract. We gave you four World Series titles, and we are not going to be good in 2020, but we are going to try to be good as soon as possible again. We'll be right back. Why couldn't the Patriots have done the same thing? Robert Kraft has been the most generous owner. We have spent a billion dollars and brought you more rings than even a hand can handle. We have done everything to change the narrative of what this team used to be when Steve Grogan was quarterback. I have been a coach here and gotten you to the promised land, but this year it's not going to happen. Then you walk into your clubhouse and you say to your players before the season starts, let's try to surprise them. Let's work harder than any other team and be the best we can be, but let's be realistic. Instead, Belichick gives you this. It's outrageous. Thank you for asking. What did I think of Bill Belichick's comments? I thought they were laughable and they were not becoming of someone who I thought was the greatest coach of all time. Okay, my way to see... Even though I did the wait to seize for the MVP, I have another way to see. And I want to end on these concepts. There will be no winner in the presidential race until at least tomorrow. Whether a winner is declared doesn't matter. Whether a candidate says that he has won the presidency, my way to see is we will not have an actual winner until at least tomorrow in this presidential election. And I ask you, as you go through today, and as you think about today's role in history, and what we will tell our children and our grandchildren about November 3rd, 2020, how we act today will inform our present and our future. And the way that we are looked at We are building our legacy every single day, and today matters. Every day matters. Today matters today. Please, no matter what happens in this election, I would like to remind you, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go.